Before turning with me tonight to Judges chapter 15, would you look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 with me, please? Deuteronomy chapter 32. This uh, chapter is called the Song of Moses. And this chapter, Moses sings concerning two things in particular. First, he sings of the divine and illustrious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. It says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. My, that's, that's a mouthful and it's all true. And then secondly, this song of Moses reveals the sin of ingratitude of the people of Israel to this great God in spite of all that He's done for them. Look at verse 5. It says, They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of His children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is it not He, thy Father, that hath bought thee, purchased thee? He Hath He not made thee and established thee? And this has always been the case since man's fall in sin. And this whole chapter reveals the love and the goodness and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to His people and their unfaithfulness to Him. And you know, we've, we've studied through Genesis and Exodus and Numbers now and Joshua and Judges, and we see it over and over and over again. God does wonderful things for His people, and they over and over again turn their back on Him, serve other gods, begin to worship idols, and yet he continues to be merciful to him. And the goodness of the Lord here is again seen in verse 10. He found them in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. And he led them about. He instructed them. He kept them as the apple of his eye. And then we again see the ingratitude of Israel in verse 16. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, and provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. But one thing is consistent all through the Bible, and I'm so thankful that it is. The Lord had a people that He loved. You know, I, I, I must confess to you that I, I can't talk much about my love for Him. It's often so fickle and so lukewarm but I sure can talk about His love for His people. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us in spite of ourselves. 
And isn't that a wonderful thing? We, we're not going to talk about all that we do for God and how much we love God when we've got so much to talk about in respect to Him loving us and what He's done for us. The Lord has a people that He loved and He loved them in spite of them. And that's what makes this gospel good news. The Lord loves the unlovable. The Lord shows grace and mercy to those who are ungracious and unmerciful. And the only difference between the Lord's people and the Lord's enemies is the difference that God alone makes. Now that's just a fact. Who maketh thee to differ from another? What do any of us have that we didn't receive? And if we received it from the Lord, why do we glory in it as if we didn't receive it? No difference apart from, from that. All of us in sin have said, no God, no God for me, and they say no to God. All of us. There's none of them that doeth good, the Scripture says. Those whom God loves and those whom God doesn't love. Every one of them has gone back, back from God and His commandments. They are all together become filthy. This is what the Scriptures say about us. In sin, they are all workers of iniquity who have no knowledge, but that knowledge that the Lord has been pleased to reveal to them. The only knowledge that any of us have about the things of God is what God has been pleased to reveal to us. Isn't that right? And with no difference between them, but the difference that God alone makes, the Lord avenges His people against all who become their enemies. And that's what we have tonight in Judges chapter 15. You can go ahead and turn there with me. He did so against Egypt and Pharaoh. He did so against the evil kings Sihon and Og. And the Lord with vengeance delivered His people from all their enemies in the promised land of Canaan. But to those who remain ungrateful, they will experience the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah, we're told here. The grapes will be their grapes will be full of gall, their clusters be bitter, their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Let me read verse I, I had you turn too quick. Let me let me read here in uh, Deuteronomy thirty two verse thirty five. It says to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. In verse 41, it says, If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. And that's not the kind of reward that they'll want. Verse 43 of Deuteronomy 32, Rejoice, O ye nations, with His people, for He will avenge the blood of His servants and will render vengeance 
to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. That's the God with whom we have to do. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, you remember what Paul wrote? He said, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath or take the uh, anger of another patiently. It's what that means. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, if you belong to the Lord, we ought to endeavor, all of us who belong to the Lord, should try to live peaceably with all men as much as possible. Don't avenge yourself. Don't take the anger of others patiently. Why? Because the Lord will repay you. The Lord will fight your battles for you. Vengeance is His to disperse. And do you know that every time the word vengeance is used in the Bible, I, I looked at all of them. I think it's 39 instances, 45 times the word I believe is used. But every time the word vengeance is used in the Scripture, it pertains to being of the Lord, not of me and you. No justification for us trying to take vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. He says, I will repay. Now, that word vengeance means punishment inflicted and retribution exacted for an injury or a wrong. You know what vengeance is. You've felt like taking it out on folks, and so have I. But that's what it means. And synonyms are revenge, avenge, retribution, and justice. Vengeance is God's to give. Vengeance is always His to give. And that's what we have a picture of this evening. Now, here in Judges chapter 15, I've said this so many times during the last few studies, Samson is no doubt a type of Christ. And the Philistines, the enemy of, enemy of Israel, very well gives us a picture of our enemies, the enemies of God, the main one being sin. God's holy justice demands vengeance if you and I are to be saved. God's vengeance against sin is essential and it's necessary for our salvation. The wages of sin got to be paid in full. Cannot one sin go unpaid for. They've all got to be paid in full. Holy justice, God's holy, strict justice must extract vengeance for, or excuse me, from the offender. For you and I personally to experience the fire of hell for eternity would not pay for the first sin. Perfection is required before remission can be given. How many times have we said that it's got to be perfect to be accepted? You know what that means? Just what it says. You got, it's got to be perfect to be accepted. You and I have never done anything perfect. Everything we do is tainted with sin. Yes, the Lord Jesus, our substitute, our sacrifice, He who came in the world to save sinners. We call His name Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sin. He's the only one that can. Yes, sir. 
We're shut up to Him and Him alone. We're shut up to His mercy and His grace. We can't be saved any other way. And He is going to avenge our enemy of sin for His people. <laughs> Just as Samson, Christ's type, did Israel's enemy. Now, under divine commission, um, Samson sought occasion against the Philistines to destroy them to avenge the children of Israel. Look at verse 1 here in uh, Judges chapter 15. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. And he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer or allow him to go in. And her father said, I barely thought that thou hast utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray in thee instead of her. Now you remember um, last study, the, um, the riddle, and uh, she got the answer of the riddle out of Samson, and then she told his companions, and you remember that. And verse 3 says, And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Now the Lord does work, as the Scriptures say, in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. Initially, Samson was angry over his wife's trickery in revealing the riddle to these men that Samson toyed with, with the riddle. But time has now passed and Samson comes to make peace and restore the fellowship of his marriage to this woman. And he brings a peace offering of a kid, of a goat. That was customary. And I couldn't help to think about Samson's displeasure with his wife's actions and them definitely picturing the Lord's displeasure with us, his wife, over our sin. So, you know, our sin is our fault. We, we, some folks try to blame it on Adam. Well, you know, we fell in Adam. Well, he, is, he was our federal head and we died in him, but sin's our fault. We have no one else to blame for it. Our Lord Jesus came to be our peace offering. Samson now arrives to discover that his father-in-law has given her to another man. And uh, his reason is, is that I thought she hated her after what she did. And by the way, I've got a younger daughter here, much prettier. Uh, and uh, he tried to uh, give Samson her younger sister, but Samson again, under divine commission. <laughs> the Lord is ruling and reigning him as He does all of us. And under divine commission, He used this occasion against the Philistines to destroy them and avenge Himself and to avenge the children of Israel. Look at verse 4. And Samson went and he caught 300 foxes and he took firebrands and he turned tail to tail, tied these foxes' tails together, right? And he put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, 
He let them, the foxes, go into the standing corn of the Philistines and he burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives. Uh, this put a major hurt on the Philistines. This was harvest time. This, this is when they, they uh, harvested their, their crops and put it up, you know, and it's all burned up. It seems to be a total loss here. Samson set on fire the standing corn. He burned up the shocks along with it. The, the vineyards and the olive trees were destroyed. Well, he was a one-man wrecking crew. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, by the obedience of one, the, that being the Lord Jesus, shall many be made righteous. You know, the only man who could save us is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is but one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Samson was a one-man wrecking crew. He was a strong man. But friends, our strong man is the only one that can help us. No other God but Him. Only one mediator between God and men, and that's the Lord Jesus. Now look at verse 6. Then the Philistines said, Who had done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, now look at this, though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I'll cease. Now I want you to consider closely those the words of Samson there in verse 7. He said, though you have done this, you burned and you killed my wife, yet I will be avenged. You did this to her, but you did it to me. What proof that husbands and wives are one? They really are. That's what God said. The two become one flesh. What proof that Christ and His bride are one? Now, when the Lord Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus, you remember what He said to him? He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, Saul persecuted Stephen. He held the coats while his, his men stoned him. Paul persecuted, or Saul persecuted the church. But the Lord here said that Saul persecuted him. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now, let me read you another passage in Matthew chapter 25, verse beginning in verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hunger, and you gave me no meat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. And I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. And then shall they all answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? 
When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison and didn't minister unto you? And then he shall answer them saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And you know, also in that passage, he talked about all that they did for him. And they said, well, when did we do that? He said, when you did it to the least of thee. Samson said here, you harm my wife. You harm me. And I'll be avenged. I'm going to be avenged. Vengeance is mine. (laughs) What a picture of our heavenly husband. Our Lord said in Isaiah chapter 49, excuse me, 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old? For I am God and there's none else. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. How can anyone with a simple statement like that deny the sovereignty of God? He said, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Does that sound like a God that wants to do something? Does that sound like a God that's trying to do something? No, that sounds like a God that's in the heavens and He does whatsoever He's pleased. And that is the God of the Bible. The Lord Jesus is going to avenge the death of His wife. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And here we have a picture of the Lord executing, exacting judgment on the enemy in the avenging and delivering of His people. Did you notice there in verse 7, Samson said, Yet... I will be avenged of you, and after that, I will cease. You know, I didn't even pay much attention to that at first, but as I read over it a time or two, our gracious Lord avenged His people, and then He ceased. (laughs) Isn't that what He did? His law was satisfied. His justice was appeased. Sin was atoned for. And Christ said, it's finished. What a picture this is. Samson said, I will be avenged and then I'll cease. When he was avenged, our Lord ceased. His work was finished. Our Lord did everything, absolutely everything that was necessary to avenge His bride, His church, and Himself in the putting away of her sin. And that is the good news that I proclaim to you tonight. You know why? When God looks at you, He sees no sin? Because you don't have any. It's just that simple. He's put it away. It's gone. (laughs) He's gone forever. He did everything that was necessary. And again, we see that Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. All by the sacrifice of Himself. And I find it so interesting that Samson used the employment of fire to destroy the sustenance and confidence of the Philistines. What a beautiful representation of the destructive power of the Word of God. 
In Jeremiah 23, 29, God says, Is not my word like a fire? Like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? In Acts 2, verses 2 and 3, on the day of Pentecost, and suddenly there was a uh, came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the, all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 8 that our Lord is an inflaming fire is going to take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not Christ. Now, look up at verse 8 here in, uh, uh, in Judges 15, verse 8. And he smote them, Samson, hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. Samson smote them hip and thigh. Now it doesn't say anything here about him having a, a weapon. Uh, these, these fellows were messed up. They were bruised and maimed and lamed and no doubt some of them killed. And what proof this is that the Lord's weapons were our Lord's weapons were not carnal or fleshly weapons and neither are ours. Paul tells us that though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Our war, our battle is not a physical one. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Peter said, Beloved, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That's what we do. We, we leave that up to God. That's God's business. We just rest in Christ and what He's done for us. Who His own self bear our sins and His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, not dead in sins, dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. Now that's where I rest. The stripes that would do my back were put on Him. The crown of thorns that dug in deep into His brow should have been mine. That's my hope. The blood that was shed and fell to the ground on Calvary's cross should have been my blood, but it wasn't. It was the perfect Son of God. And God accepted His sacrifice for my sin and my sin and your sin and all the sin of all God's people throughout all time is put away. And that's where we rest. That's where we rest. The Lord has promised to fight all our battles. We, we do well to sit back and rest and let Him take care of it. Let it I, I shouldn't even say it that way. We don't let Him do anything. He takes care of it. Now, beginning in verse 9 here, we, 
We have the binding of Samson by the men of Judah. You remember this story. Let's read a few verses here. In verse 9, Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in, in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, We came to bind Samson. And, and are, are we come up to do to him what he'd done to us? And then 3,000 men of Judah... Now these are Israelites. Went to the top of the rock Edom and they said to Samson, they went up uh, as mediators, so to speak, uh, to Samson and said, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? Well, sure he knew that. What is this that thou hast done unto us? And I'm sure Samson saying, I didn't do anything to you. I did it to them. See what fear they had? And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so I have I done unto them. Now never forget that with God, men reap what they sow. That's, that's what Samson's saying. I, they, as they did unto me, I've done unto them. I didn't do anything to you. They were worried about suffering the repercussions from it. And look what they said in verse 12. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. If we don't, we're going to be in a bunch of trouble. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. In other words, don't you kill me. You can, you can bind me and... and uh, let me go. Because you know what he's thinking in the background? I'm going to wipe them all out. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want, you're my people. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want us to have a conflict. But don't you do anything silly. You just deliver me to them. Bind me and give them to me. Give me to them. And they spake unto him, verse 13, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Now, what a picture this is, the binding of Samson of the works of Israel against the Lord Jesus. Uh, he came into his own and his own received him not. And you know the Scriptures well. You know that the high priest and the elders and the scribes and the Pharisees, they hated the Lord Jesus without a cause. And uh, the men of Judah were able to bind Samson only. Now listen, they were only able to bind Samson because Samson allowed them to bind him. They had no power over him except the power that he gave to them. And is it not the same with the Lord Jesus? That's exactly right. It was said by Christ of Pilate and the government of Rome. He said, Thou couldest have no power over me at all, except it were given thee from above. You couldn't be uh, holding me here in this, this court. You couldn't be... You say you've got the power to let me go or the power to crucify me. You don't have any power other than the power I've given you. And Samson made the men of Judah to swear they wouldn't kill him because he's on a mission to destroy the Philistine. And uh, 
What a picture again of Christ. The men of Judah would not kill Samson for the same reason that Israel wouldn't crucify the Lord Jesus. While they would rather leave that deed, that action, to the law of Rome. Pilate told the high priest, you may remember, uh, and the Jewish elders, he said, you take him and you judge him according to your law. And they said, oh no, we can't do that. Uh, the Jews therefore said unto him, it's not lawful for us to put any man to death, but it's okay if you do. It's okay if you do. They would rather Pilate and Caesar and Rome do their dirty work. But they were guilty nonetheless. They had no problem selling Christ for 30 pieces of silver to Judas. They had no problem with instigating this conspiracy against the Lord Jesus. They didn't have any problem hiring false witnesses to falsely accuse Him. But no, we can't, we can't, be, any, we can't be a part of, of, of killing Him and crucifying Him. They had no problem with the conspiracy to murder the Lord. And yet they were self-righteous enough to think that they would not be considered a part of the act. You can be assured that the Lord avenged Himself and those whom He died for when He arose from the dead. You see, friends, that was the proof that God accepted His finished righteous work. That is the proof that those who trust in the Lord Jesus have been accepted in the Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God accepted His perfect work of righteousness. The manner and the means Samson used in the destruction of the Philistine teaches us some things. Look at verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistine shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. <laughs> we see again. It wasn't Samson's personal strength that did this. It was the Spirit of the Lord upon him. And the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his hands loosed from the bands loosed from off his hands, and he found a new jawbone of an ass. And he put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Can you imagine? And look at this. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps. With the jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And that heaps upon heaps, I, I picture him slaying a man and throwing him on a pile and slaying another man and throwing him on the pile. And he's got them all piled up. Samson with the jawbone of an ass slew a thousand men and piled them up in heaps. I was thinking the Lord often used and still uses the carnal things of this world in His hand for the good of His people. He used worldly Pharaoh. <laughs> and he raised him up, didn't He? For the sole purpose of showing the whole world his power in Pharaoh. And by this, God's people know that He has mercy on whom He'll have mercy. And that He has compassion on whom He'll have compassion. And whom He will, He hardens. And none can stay His hand or say unto Him, what are you doing, Lord? The Lord uses 
fleshly, worldly means to show His people and to do good for His people. God the Father gave Christ our Lord power over all flesh, the things and the people of the world that He might give eternal life to as many as God gave Him before the foundation of the world. The jawbone of an ass. It also pictures the despised means of gospel preaching by which the Lord's people are saved. It's just a... How did that jawbone of an ass get there? God put it there. God put it there. It was the means that Samson used to defeat this enemy. I wonder how that tree that they cut down and made into a cross that our Lord hung on. I wonder how He got there. The Lord put it there. It was just the means. It was just the means that God used. This is the condemnation that light, the Word of God, the Gospel, Christ who is the Word of God, has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass when he made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramoth Lehi. Now that name means the height of a jawbone. And when Samson lifted up that jawbone to, to swing it and to kill those men, God's power and glory was seen. You know it was. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. The Lord Jesus said, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all, all His elect unto Himself. When Samson made an end of speaking, that word speaking there, I found to be interesting. It means subduing, conquering, destroying. When Samson made an end of conquering and subduing the enemy and destroying the enemy, uh, he, uh, the verse reads as if Samson slew one Philistine after another and as I said the whole time he's speaking this riddle, this mystery. <laughs> as he kills these men with the jawbone of an ass, he's saying with the jawbone of, a, of an ass, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And then he kills some more and says it again and kills some more and says it again. That's the way it reads to me. But when he made an end of speaking, when he made an end of destroying, when, when he was finished, when he was finished, he cast away the jawbone of that. He cast it out of his hand. He called the place Ramoth-Lehi, the place of the jawbone. He cast away the jawbone. It wasn't the jawbone that saved And it wasn't the cross that saves. You can cast that piece of wood away. It's the Christ upon the cross that saves. Mm -hmm. Throw away your man-made crosses and trust in the Christ that hung upon it. When Samson finished his work, he thirsted. And when Christ finished his work on Calvary's tree, he cried, I thirst. Look at it, verse 18. And he, Samson, was sore athirst. And he called on the Lord. And he 
said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Now, did you notice there what Samson prayed? He said, Lord, thou hast given, past tense. You've already, you've given it. Thou's given this great deliverance. You've already given it into my hand. I finished the work that you gave me to do. John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, finished, <laughs> that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it, it, put it upon hyssop, hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Do you see the type? Samson begins to deliver Israel with the carnal, fleshly, worldly means that God provided. What was it? A jawbone of ass. And the Lord Jesus Christ delivered His people by carnal, fleshly, worldly means. And what was it? It was a, a cross, a piece of wood at Calvary. But that's not what saved us. No more than the jawbone slayed the Philistines, it was the strong man who slung it. And it's not the cross itself that saves. It's the strong man who hung upon it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And he's able and he's willing. How did the Lord avenge our enemy called sin? He put sin away on Calvary's cross. It wasn't the cross that did it. It was by the sacrifice of himself. Hanging on that cross. That's how His vengeance is repaid. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world, Pilate, Caesar, Herod, none of them, none of these princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, you're calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. God's going to get all the glory for our salvation. He rightly deserves it. It's all His. And there's not a child of God that argue with that. We want Him to have the glory, don't Amen. we? We want Him to have it. We didn't do anything. 
Isn't that an amazing story? It's a true story. And it pictures the work that the Lord Jesus Christ did in our room instead.